Welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Benoff. Joining me tonight, we have Jacob Terrell, Earl Nieto. Guys, it's been a busy, busy five days. But before we get into our discussion this week, I do have one burning question for you. What team has the worst fan base in any sport? Ooh. Hmm. Cleveland Browns. Hey, did you know that Dolphins still <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Way to bring it back to last week, girl. Appreciate Two that. Things. Two things, Earl. Uh, the Cleveland Browns fan base is fine. They, they're they sad, sad individuals. That's all. I think like the most obnoxious, annoying fan bases, um, that's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. My boss is a Steelers fan. He's very annoying. Um, can we say the Dodgers? Is it sure? Is it okay to say the Dodgers? Absolutely. Because the Dodgers and the Dodger fans are both. Uh, 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 yeah. 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 You must be having a Caesar. Hey, did you know that Apple that you bought at the grocery store this morning could possibly be a year old? Yes, I did know that. I I read that somewhere because um, they do. There's some sort of process. They they, they keep them uh, in like a warehouse for up to like 18 months or something before they actually get to the store, which is crazy. My favorite one of those, by the way, was uh, the original clip is Jesus walking into the house and he says, uh, what would you do if I walked into your house? And the guy says, uh, clear my browser history. Anyways. <laughs> that one's a good one. I really like it. Yeah. And uh, he just, he put out a video that apparently he hit 2 million followers over on TikTok on his main account, which is pretty impressive considering all he does is basically just work off other people's content. No, he makes it his own. It's great. Yeah. But so yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, I didn't answer. So we've got Browns. We've got Dodgers. Oh, it's honestly, I think it's a tough question. It, I think it can go a couple of different ways, depending on what sport you're looking at. Like obviously I think El Paso has got some shitty fans. Uh, I think the Yankees have got some terrible fans, cowgirl fans, Shut Dodgers, you know, there, there's a, there's quite a few that you could put in that uh, into this question here, and I think Los Angeles media is pretty terrible as well. There you go. Yeah, LA media has just been freaking terrible this week. It's been awful. Bill Plaschke. It's only terrible because you're a nasty Braves fan. Have you seen the nonsense that Bill Plaschke has written this week? No, because I do not follow different clubs. That's not El Paso. <laughs> okay, so in one um, of his articles this week, Bill Plaschke wrote, uh, at the, "Well, after Dodgers won, after the Dodgers won Game Three, Bill Plaschke wrote, the Braves are on the ropes, aren't they? I'm sorry, what? The Braves were leading the series two one at that point, and then yeah, won that like night make it three one. Like I said yesterday, it can be. Uh, what did I tell you guys yesterday? It was something dumb. Um, <laughs> wow, shocker." <laughs> Something really stupid, and I'm trying to find it. Trying to find it. If you guys would stop texting me so much, that'd be nice. Um, carry on, carry on. I'll let you know when I found. Oh, look, there it is. There it is. You said something about Justin Turner. Yeah, and I said Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Tina Turner. Doesn't matter. Dodgers in six because we all know <laughs> it's going to happen. Well, well, technically the Dodgers can't win in six, um, but it'll and, still happen. And they're, and they're not going to. Um, <laughs> that Yeah, that's exactly why I ignored that one. Spilled <laughs> <laughs> water all over my fucking desk. Good. Wonderful. I'll get you some uh, QPU. Get that cleaned up. 
quicker picker upper. There you go. <laughs> Our new sponsor. It's a uh, there, there's an ad on run that plays on Twitch all the time, and it's like these streamers, these gamers, and someone spills something. Quick, get the QPU. And yeah, it's the what the bounty quick the quicker picker upper, and that's all it is. I'm like, this is just one of the one of the worst ads I've ever seen. Getting a bunch of sh- you know video game streamers to try to act like they're doing something. Wow. Yeah, it's really bad. Wow. But uh, yeah, like I said, there's a lot to get to tonight. Uh, We've got our burning question out of the way. I mean, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We got some bad news from the club today. Um, Apparently it was talked about in the press conference last night. None of us were at the match, unfortunately. But the news came out that Amando Moreno has torn his ACL. Uh, We're not going to show the clip. I have the clip. Uh, I looked at it. Uh, I'm not going to show it on the stream. That uh, you know, we don't need to. I don't think it's an appropriate thing for us to, to be looking can at. You, can you send it to me? Because I still haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 71st minute Sunday of Sunday's match against San Antonio, or not San Antonio, San Diego. Amando Moreno goes up to contest a goal kick that Alex Tambakas sent up field. Comes down, you can just see his knee just buckle, and he basically immediately goes to ground. Uh, starts holding his right knee, like rubbing, like just below the, just below the knee. And I, I was sitting here and I was watching. I said, Oh shit. That's the same exact thing that Joseph Martinez did. Same exact thing, you know, went up, came down and just landed and the knee buckled. So I do want to put something on record. Okay. Um, I'm looking at my text. Um, cause all Jacob was doing today was just liking the comments that we sent back to him. Um, he must I work, nice guys. I actually work. Listen, listen. I do. I, I do too. Me all the time. I'm running around like a fucking idiot every day these days. Um. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is, I said I want to say it was closer to the 70th minute. Um. And then, like a minute later, Seth and our statistician over here said it was the 71st minute. So I want to put it on record that I do pay attention. <laughs> All right, that is noted in the record. Earl does pay attention from time to time. Um, but yeah, it, it was just one of those things. You know, if you watched uh, Joseph when he played last year against Nashville, came down, you could just see the see the, the impact it had on the knee. And you know, it took him 13 months to come back. And so we know for a fact Amando Moreno will be out the rest of this year. You know, I've been doing some research today into ACL injuries, you know, turnaround time, things like that. There was a kid from, for I think it was Clemson, came back six months after it happened, which I think is absolutely insane. Um, but among the more notable, some of the more notable athletes that we've seen with ACL injuries, their turnaround time, Adrian Peterson famously came back from ACL tear after eight months and had a fan, fantastic year. I believe he was a comeback player of the year and like offensive player of the year or something for doing that. And you mentioned, I mentioned Joseph Martinez took him 13 months to get back to competition. Uh, Now he did get back to training after about six months, but most estimates on this type of injury are roughly seven to nine months in terms of turnaround time after surgery. And with that being said, a seven to nine month time span would would mean that we could potentially see Amando say June of next year, or even potentially on into August um, looking at again, seven to nine months. But we, again, we don't know how long it's going to take. We won't, we really won't know anything until probably March uh, of next year. So um, 
I mean, what kind of a blow is this to New Mexico United? I know we've missed him quite a bit this year due to international play. And to be fair, he'd been having a phenomenal year, international call-ups, you know, a big year for him career-wise. What does this do for us here? And do you do we have the depth to continue pushing without Amando? Well, I, I don't think I I don't think we can answer that without talking about Dev as well. Um, yeah, that's something else we do need to mention. Um, yeah. He's dealing with a, an undisclosed injury at the moment, but quote was, it's definitely not day-to-day. Um, very possible that we don't have him the rest of this year. Um, yeah. And the so, quote, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, the quote that I have is, uh, Dev's situation is more complicated. He's still being evaluated, and we don't know what his timetable looks like. Uh, there was a comment on the 1017 The Team broadcast last night that did say there is – and all I said was that there's a chance that neither of them kick a ball again in 2021. So yeah, we're down two strikers. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, not great, especially when we traded uh, one away halfway through the year or a little after halfway through the year in Brian Brown. Uh, it basically leaves Illich, as our only real big target forward to kind of play. Um, it, I, I'm afraid it's going to mean Guzman plays more uh, because Revis will have to move up into more of an attacking role. But um, last night we saw no Moreno and no Sandoval with Illich starting. Uh, Illich scores in the 12th minute. Um The offense, I understand that San Antonio was down a man um, when we scored three of our goals, but we still scored four goals. Um, We have been up a man a few times this year and have not been able to capitalize like that. So I think if Weehan and Illich can, can use last night as kind of a stepping stone and grow a little bit together, um, there's enough there with Brucey and Isidro and Rivas and Tanari that, and Suggs bombing up the one side. We saw Yearwood get forward a lot more last night, uh, which I like. So I, I think we're going to be okay. I, I, if you, if you were to ask people on Facebook, I would assume that with Sandoval not in there, they would be happy because Facebook is a anti Sandoval place. Um, and then I haven't, I feel like Moreno has been trying too much. I think we've talked about this several times throughout the season that he tries to do a little too much and, and uh, it just hasn't worked with what we're trying to do offensively. I I do feel like he was kind of starting to get better uh, the last few games that we've had him, but I'm, I'm not too worried. I think Austin and RGV are, are paving the way for us to at least make the playoffs and, Anything can happen when we play Phoenix. If we, assuming we make it, anything can happen. So I'm not freaking out about it necessarily. I, I do. It sucks, obviously, and I hope that they get get better as soon as they can. But I think we'll be okay. Earl, where do you think we go from here? Do you think that we see Christian Nava finally maybe get a start or a little bit extra play time or? Do you, we see maybe bees move into that forward position alongside 
Illich, I mean, how does this season end out? So it can go <clears throat> a, a bunch of different ways. I mean, one, we could just totally tank. That's <laughs> that's always a possibility. I mean, we've seen it happen before where we go seven games without winning anything. Um, that's one way. I hope we don't go that route. Um, another route we can go is having Serge, Sergio as the as the Mondo that he was. <clears throat> so Sergio has a speed too. So having Sergio playing in that Mondo role where he's pretty much the third striker and just having what we saw last night up top be what we go with. Um, do I think we see Nava more often? Yes. Um, especially with Illich barely seeing any time this year. Um, I think we see more of Nava and more younger stars that we have to try to fill that role. Yeah. I think last night's match actually put Ilya over 600 minutes for the year. Again, 20, 20 somewhat, I think it's 20 appearances, 21 appearances for him and only 600 minutes. So yeah, we haven't really seen him too much and he hasn't really produced anything in the time that he's been on the field, but it is in the, in the last, you know, what, and in the in the last twenty minutes of the match on Sunday, and the first fifteen minutes, he produced two goals. So maybe this is maybe it's a jumping off point for him. You know, maybe he gets a little bit more involved. Obviously, he's going to see more playtime, being the only you know true striker that we have, other than you know say Christian or some of the other academy kids. But yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, when you've got guys like Amando who can be dynamic and create a lot of opportunities especially you know either for themselves or for the guys around them it's it's hard to replace that especially at this point in the season and Jacob you mentioned us loaning out Brian Brown earlier at this point I don't know that we can recall him since it's past the the roster freeze date um we haven't heard anything maybe that's something maybe it's still a possibility but again I don't think it is but here in the last two weeks I mean we've got RGV on Saturday and we've got Real Monarchs next weekend I'm not I'm not at the point where I think we it, it's panic mode because I think we can still pull points out of both of these matches and we'll get into the RGV discussion later but you know I don't again I I don't think it's something worth panicking panicking about like you guys said you know maybe this is an opportunity maybe we see you know guys move up a little bit higher you know uh, Bees or Rivas uh in that forward position more or maybe Christian gets some more time I mean we've still got options and we're not out of it the lineup we went with yesterday, where we had Bees, Illich, and uh, Serge up top, I like that. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to see is more of Sergio staying up top to where he has a goal-scoring opportunity. I don't really like seeing him fall into the midfield and play the ball around in the midfield a lot because that essentially takes away what we're lacking now is goal-scoring opportunity. Sergio has, what, five goals on the year? I believe that's correct, yes. Which means he can score. He's capable of scoring goals, obviously. So why not leave him up top and make and open up the top to where now you have Ilya in the mid, in the mid who in the middle who can who's proven these past two games that he can still score goals. And then you have Bees on the left and Surge on the right, or Surge on the right and Bees on the left, wherever you want to do with it. Even if you go with Sergio and Illich up top. And B's playing kind of like the center forward. 
I mean, there's, I mean, losing Mondo isn't a bad thing. Um, does it suck? Of course it does. Um, but losing him definitely isn't the panic button that I was about to push on. What was it? Sunday night, mm-hmm. Sunday yeah. afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the button I was about to push did go away, and I'm now just like kind of eyeballing it still. Um, losing Mondo though, like I'm saying, was not the end of the world because now you have more opportunity to not even play Guzman because we still have Mohammed, we have Nava who can play the middle, we have Cello, we have we have depth in the midfield that we can sacrifice one midfield player like Sergio up top to play as a striker or a winger or whatever we need him to be. Not knowing the extent of Devin's injury and when he's going to come back, how do you think this affects our off-season moves? I know we're not quite there yet, but knowing that we need a striker and we know that Amando's under contract for 2022 – how do you, how does this affect our offseason? Do we go out and immediately look for a striker who's going to be a long-term replacement? I mean, I think obviously we might need to do that because Devin's not getting any younger and we don't know when Mondo's coming back. So is this a scenario where we need to go out and try to sign three strikers? No. I think what we would do, what, what I would do if I was in any kind of position offseason-wise – would be find someone that can fill in until Mondo gets back. Because you know Mondo's not going to just be sitting around at home playing FIFA. He's going to be trying everything he can to either keep his mind sharp or keep pretty much anything that he can do to stay sharp mentally. And then the physical parts, he's going to be able to catch back up on. Um, So I think we find someone that can fill in for him while he's gone, but then can accept that sub role whenever he does come back. So I don't think we go out and find like a uh, Haji Berry or something. Would that be nice? Of course it would. But I don't think we go out and drop all kinds of money on that. If we know Mondo will be coming back sometime next season. No offense, Earl, but I could not disagree more. We I knew it. Offended. I knew it. We have, right. <laughs> we have seen the offense struggle mightily this year with Amondo and with Dev in the lineup. With those two out, uh, Amondo, I mean, ACL, yes, you can come back from it in eight, nine months. Are you the same right away, though? No, you're not. You're not going to have the same burst, you're not going to have the same change of direction. Um, I don't know how an ACL injury affects like kicking or what, what, what leg was it? His right leg. So I, I, I'm, I think that's his dominant leg. So how strong can you kick the ball coming back from that? I don't know. I don't know how it affects that versus just your every everyday regular athletic activities. Um, so you're, you can almost assume Mondo, even if he plays next year, isn't going to be the Mondo that we have seen in the past. Dev, I d- we don't know what the injury is, but I, I do know Dev is getting up there in age. Um, we've already talked about Dev being slow. Um, 
he is physical, yes, but um, he he hasn't performed as well as we would like in the scoring department anyways. We need somebody, even if those two were healthy, in my opinion, we need somebody that is going to finish consistently and a lot. Because the chances have been there all year. The chances have been there. We just need somebody up front to put the ball in the back of the net, regardless of of the injury status of those two. So maybe not sign three guys, but sign somebody that's, you know, decent, and then try to find find somebody that is going to be a Haji Berry light. I'm not going to say be Haji Berry because that, I mean, what he's doing right now is insane, but somebody that is going to produce and be a forward that scares people, scares other teams. We, we need that. And I think I'm not discounting us making a deep run this year. Um, if we get hot, because we've seen teams get hot. We saw Real Monarchs in 2019 flip a switch in the playoffs and ride that to a title. Uh, it's not impossible. But in us, in order for us to be like a supporter shield contender and try to, you know, win the Western division or win the Western Conference, win a division if we're in divisions again next year, whatever the case may be, um, we need that top tier striker in order to do that. And so we already know Mondo and Dev, while great at what they do, are not that. And I don't think a serious injury and another year of age to Dev and a serious injury like what Moreno is going through is going to help them become better at the at least for next year. So got to do something there. And maybe it's a maybe it's one of our young bucks that comes up and and starts to dominate. But. Um, no, not yet, Moreno or Murillo. We are uh, <laughs> we're not panicking just yet. So you just uh, complimented Jerry. How dare you? No, he said no more panic button. I said no. I know you called him Moreno. Oh, I did. Yeah. How Ooh. dare you? <laughs> um. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I, we need that one hundred percent. We talked about needing it months ago. Yeah. Like, this situation doesn't make that less of a need by any means. If anything, it makes it double or triple the times that we need to do it. The reason I suggested signing three guys is we don't know the contract status of Ilya. We don't know that he's under contract for next year. We know that Amondo is, I assume Dev is under contract for next, for next year. But again, you got two of those three guys with significant or serious enough injuries that they're going to miss the rest of the season. Moreno, obviously going to miss next season. Uh, well, a good portion of next season uh, in any case. And we, so I think we do need to go out and sign a number of guys to bring them in, maybe bring uh, some of the Academy kids up, just give them an opportunity next year, uh, late you know, late in the year this year, early next year, give them those, those opportunities to come up and play and see what they can do. Uh, and I mean, we obviously we have until September uh, of next year to sign people before the roster freeze date, but I think we you got to have we have to make some moves in the offseason, bring some people in. And you talked about the recovery time. You know what happens with with the kicking? How does it affect players? And it, you can actually, if you go back and watch Joseph Martinez, 
and, and his recovery progression, you can, and he's notoriously, uh, uh, notoriously like tremendously like focused on training and coming back from that injury. And uh, you could see the exercises and things that he was doing. And it wasn't necessarily an issue with his kicking strength. It was confidence in, in movement is where the biggest issue seems to be with these ACL type injuries. You know, can you make those cuts? Can you, can you make those jumps? Can you do that? Can you still perform in the air? And I think that's going to be the biggest issue facing Amanda when he comes back is, you know, can, will he have the confidence in himself and in his knee once it's repaired to come back and play the same style? Or does he have to adjust in some way in order to still be a, a top talent like he is. And so I think those are the issues that we're going to be facing next year when we do see him return to training and then eventually trying to get back onto the pitch for, for competitive play. Hmm. Yeah. And maybe we do need three because I mean, we've talked about Illich not performing either. So um, we, with Moreno, I mean, I want to see him come back right away as long as he's ready to, but I just don't see that happening with that kind of injury. So, but enough bad news. Let's talk about something else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Enough bad news. We do have some good news. Uh, We did pick up a point Sunday in San Diego on the back or on the, uh, uh, because of Ilya Illich and his goal of the week. Uh, winning goal. Uh, so we did pick up a point in San Diego. We talked about how important picking up a point out in San Diego was, and we did that. We accomplished that, kept our playoff hopes alive there, and then coming into Wednesday night, played a uh, interesting, interesting match against San Antonio. We did come out with a 4-2 win uh, for the third time, or the third win over San Antonio this season, I should say. And what a match this was. I believe I was, uh, I tweeted at Nicholas Murray from the USL championship last night and he confirmed that it was there. There was a record set in this game last night. We have a recorded, uh, there were 15 yellow cards on the timeline wow. on uslchampionship.com. There were two yellow cards, uh, not shown on the timeline, one Troy. And I believe there was one reported to have also been shown to the San Antonio manager as well. So, we're looking at either 16 or 17 confirmed yellow cards last night in this match, which uh, according to Nicholas Murray is a USL championship record since they've been able to track that. Uh, it also uh, beats out the Guinness book of world records uh, record for the most yellow cards shown in a world cup final, which is 14. The only match that I could find anywhere that had more yellow cards in it, or you know an equal number 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 of yellow cards if you go with the sixteen that we know of was the, it's dubbed the Battle of Nuremberg from the I believe the two thousand six World Cup. There were sixteen yellows shown in that match, and I believe four red cards as well. So uh, you we set a uh, an interesting record last night. Um, but the other good record that came out of the night is Chris Weehan is now the club's all-time leading goal scorer across all competitions with 26 goals for the black and yellow. So there were some good things that came out of last night. Some, uh, and we're going to obviously we're moving past the, the bad news there. And, and, uh, Jerry, we're going to get to your question here in just a minute. Okay. So don't go anywhere. We are going to get to that, but looking at the match last night, I honestly 
don't even know where to start with this. Number one, Michael Radchuk is a garbage official. That was a horrendously called match. And I know that there are some uh, salty folks out of San Antonio tonight that are not enjoying the way that that match turned out, among others, yes. (laughs) So also, Yuma now has competition on the best flopper. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Very. Thank you for pointing that out, Earl. We had a tremendous flop down at the north end of the stadium last night. And uh, ooh, Earl froze. So maybe he'll be back here in just a minute. But yeah, I just I don't even know where to start with this match. Like it was ugly and sloppy from start to finish. Blame the referee. Blame the blame the play on the pitch. I don't even know where to start with this. I mean, the yellow cards started early. They were often. I saw a stat. It was it was a uh, a yellow card was awarded every five point six minutes or something like that, which is absolutely astounding yeah that's i don't i don't even know i rewatched the first half and and uh was just completely lost as to what was going on there um there was no flow uh i i don't know if the ref had like a terrible game it wasn't oh that was terrible it wasn't good by any means, but I don't. Uh, it it doesn't compare to the Loudon match, in my opinion. It's 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 not it's not that bad as it's not as bad as the Loudon match. So I don't know what my ranking system would be, but it's it's above av or below average, but above Loudon. Somewhere in a very large area there. But overall, I thought we came out, we started off really well, and then it it always seems to happen. We have like a two to 20 minute just complete lapse in judgment. And yes, it started with the penalty call that was questionable. I, I personally still think it was a penalty. There was, there was not an angle that could clearly show what was going on on that shoulder side of the San Antonio player. But I would not be surprised if Suggs had grabbed his shoulder and pulled him down, but I don't know. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Everything else. Wow. Just wow. To not be able to get a flow going. I mean, San Antonio kind of did screw themselves. I mean, they were, they were playing, really physical and then getting mad when there were calls against them. Oh, I think Earl's on his phone this time. Wow. Something new. (laughs) Um, They're playing really physical and then getting upset when they got called for it. Uh, And then they were flopping on the other end. So I don't know what, I don't know what their goal was. I thought it was a terribly played game by San Antonio more than it was a terrible officiated game by what's his name? Radchick, Radnuck, Radnuts. I don't know. Yeah, Radchuk. And uh, so comment over there in chat. Jerry says it was not a penalty. And I tend, I, I have to agree with Jerry on this one. I mean, again, like you said, there were no good angles of this. Now, from what we could see, it looks like Josh clearly played around him, played the ball, and I think it got sold a little bit. Well, more than a little bit because obviously the referee called it, but I thought Josh made a clean play. But we – it. it 
because of the angles, we don't know. So we can't like why why are we so quick to assume he was wrong when we couldn't see what that off arm was doing? Because he was terrible all the time before other than that? Because that's a valid argument. He was bad on he was terrible all the time. So of course he was gonna be terrible there. But you you cannot see what Josh's right arm was doing on I don't remember who was the penalty on. Do you remember who he fouled? Uh let me look it up. I think it was a. Uh... Gallegos, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Gallegos. So you you can't see what what Suggs's right arm and Gallegos's right arm are doing, or right shoulder. So was there? Did he play the ball clean? Yes. Did he go around him? Yes. But was he aided in going around him by pulling that right shoulder back? I don't know, and you can't tell. There's not an angle that shows it. I, I've watched it several times. The replay showed they showed it on replay a bunch of times, and you just can't tell. So the penalty, I'm not, I'm not gonna knock him on that. It was soft, no matter which way you look at it. But I'm not gonna knock him on it. It was Courtney could, Ford. Okay, you can you can knock him on a bunch of other things, but I'm not gonna knock him on the penalty. All right. Well, I mean, Jacob's willing to give points away to San Antonio here for whatever reason. I don't know why. But, um, I mean, I've. It was soft, if anything. It was very, very soft. And there were complaints on both sides about Radchuk's performance last night. And like, it, the referee should not be the story. It shouldn't. The referee should should never have that much of an impact on the match. But he did. That was unreal. And, and to me, the penalty, it ended up being being a mute point a mute, mute point anyways um but i think i think san antonio's bigger gripe is the red card i i don't see a lot there in the slide and contact with alex i don't see much there at all his first yellow card clear yellow card stupid play by him i don't understand yeah jerry agrees that the red card was also a wrong call so I will glad I will gladly say that that was a penalty against Suggs, and then take the red card against Wright and get three points because we're up a man. I, I'll, I'll take I'll take that one to three trade off any day of the week. Sorry, Harry. Earl, what, what do you think? Got what him on the second yellow was um, was sliding with the cleats up. I think that's all it was. I don't, I don't think I don't there was think anything dangerous out of it. I don't think his studs were up though. I still think he went ah. for the ball. I think he was a play on the ball, but I don't think he meant anything malicious. Um, Troy, it, it, they showed him. Troy didn't feel like he did anything malicious because Troy was talking to him on the sideline when he was sent off. Um, am I going to complain about being up a man? Of course I'm not. Well, see, the thing is on that play, and – this is something I said over on Twitter. Ollie Wright has the right to go after that ball. Yes. But how he did it, he left his feet and went into Alex studs up. That's where the problem is. Alex was, Alex was already, Alex was down on the ground and Ollie Wright goes in left leg extended studs up. I don't, that's where the problem is. I disagree with the studs being, up, but that was from what I saw. Maybe my eyes are going bad. 
but I did not see his studs up. I saw his foot clearly like this. You can see studs up really easily when you watch replays, and his foot was not like this. It did not look like that. It looked like this. So, I don't know. I didn't... If I was San Antonio, if I was Harry, I understand completely why he's not in the chat right now <laughs> and why he would be very upset, even though they did clinch a playoff berth already and they're it's currently sitting in the second seed, which shouldn't matter to him, except uh, in something that I will talk about later. Oh, so I'm, I've got the highlights pulled up, but they, they're not, they don't have the replay on the highlights. But yeah, if you watch the replay, the way he goes in on that is just, is just reckless. Like, I'm not saying he shouldn't attempt that I ball. I, I'm not saying contact with Alex, honestly. Yeah, he does. Oh, he absolutely does. Barely. Jerry, intent to hurt doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. If it's a reckless play, that's where the, the that's where the laws of the game come into play. I mean, whether or not he went for the ball, whether or not you know he had the right to go for it, the fact of the matter is it, it became a reckless play and he went into Alex studs up. I mean, it, it sucks. It sucks for him. Like he had obviously there's no intention to hurt Alex. There's no intention of going into him, you know, uh, that in that way. But when the play happens like that, you know, that that's just the result of it. And, you know, 95% of the time that you see someone go in studs up, you're, it's going to draw a card. And that's, that's where, you know, the re- the referee's decision has to be, you know, they have to make that split second decision. I mean, as a referee myself, like if I saw that happen in a game, if I saw someone go in, <clears throat> go in studs up, like that's going to be a yellow card. It, that's just how, you know, I, that's how I view the game. That's how I interpret it. And the, you know, the, what happened, that's how I interpret what happened on the pitch. So that's where I'm at with that. So, and again, you know, Harry is not going to like it. Royce isn't happy. San Antonio fans all around are not happy about it, but um, it's just one of those plays where if he, if he goes in, I don't, I think if he goes in and doesn't, have his studs up, then it's not a foul, you know, and that's not something that gets, that could get, that gets reviewed by the appeals committee. That's not something that they can, that they can overturn. I just watched it three more times. I don't see studs up, but we can agree to disagree on that one. (laughs) I, it, it's, it's a questionable call, no matter which way you look at it. The studs up. If if that's what he did, if I'm just not seeing it, then it's probably pretty clear yellow card, and he should have been sent off. But and and I think I think what might be coming into play here is that in my head I know it was a second yellow card, but I keep thinking it was a straight red for whatever reason. So if if it's a yellow card play, or because it was just a yellow card, I. I can see it. Even if the studs might not be up as, as clearly as, as you, you say, maybe it's still a yellow card because it was very late. The ball, he, he has a right to make a play on the ball, but he had no play on the ball 
from my, I mean, the ball, he, Tete is clearly between him. If he slides like that, if he takes out Tete, it's probably a yellow because he's coming in from behind. Well, that would have been a straight red. If he takes out Tete from behind, that's a straight red. And uh, if studs up, yes, but... No, if he comes in from behind and, and leaves his feet and takes out Tete, that is a straight red, because that, that is a downright dangerous play. Like, that's, a, that's, an, that's an automatic red card. Like, this here, I think it warranted a yellow. Straight red, no. Yellow, Yes. Okay. I I can agree with that a little bit more. I still don't think he went studs up for the record, but um I I'm okay with it being a yellow. I could see I can see the other side of the argument though. I can see San Antonio fan side um where where they're just outraged at it. I can see that. But at the same time, you see this guy throwing yellow cards left and right. You've gotta be smarter. Yeah. You've gotta be smarter. It's a play that what's going to happen if he gets a if he gets a toe on the ball, there's still Tete and Tambakis right there. It's probably going to go out of play, or Tete's going to get a foot on it and put it out of play. That's not. I mean, Tete could put it in the back of the net as an own goal. It could squirt out to, I think it's Gallegos running up the other side, but it's such a low percentage chance of something great happening there that would be worth risking a second yellow card. Yeah. And so to Jerry's comment, VAR on the USL, absolutely. I think, yeah, I don't think you'll get any disagreement from any, from us. Uh, USL does need VAR. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to Pittsburgh over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> VAR absolutely needs to be in this league. But yeah, like you said, Jacob, the referee had been calling such a tight game. And at that point he had already awarded, I think it was seven yellow cards to that point so far. Uh, yes. Uh, I think eight, if you count Troy, but no nine, if you count Troy, I believe, but yeah, no, like if the referee is calling it that tight, like you've got to play smarter. And that goes for both teams last Mm -hmm. night. And we saw, I mean, we saw, honestly, I saw a number of other things that should have been called. I saw a number of things that shouldn't have been called, but yeah, just the way he was, the way that referee handled the match or you know, didn't handle the match, like you've got to play a lot smarter than what both sides did. I think we're lucky to have not seen this down to like nine V nine. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we had both teams had to play with the dude and we were still able to capitalize a, a free kick double deflection uh, from Weehan to tie the game. And then just fantastic looking play. The whole second half, really. I was, I was so happy to see us not get even, and then sit back. And then when we took the lead by one, I was so happy again to not see us say, "Okay, we got the lead now. Let's just hold it." No, they, they realized that San Antonio was reeling, and just attacked even more, and were re- relentless with it. And it leads to a tap in for Tanari to go four two, seal the game, seal the three points. And to Jerry's question earlier about, where is it? Uh, Do we already believe we're in the playoffs? So y'all already believe you're going to be in the playoffs? Yes. You know why? Because it takes one win. Specifically against RGV. If we beat RGV, we're in. Period. We would get the USL Instagram post that says clinched because 
at that point, the best Austin could do is tie us, and we would have them on tiebreaker. And then RGV could not get to 46 points because they would have two matches left. They would be sitting on 38. The best they could do is 44. So one win against RGV puts us in. And even if we lose that one, a win against Real probably puts us in. Because then RGV, after us, plays... I had it right here. Plays Real Monarchs, but then they play El Paso. And El Paso could be sitting people, but I even El Paso sitting people, I'm not sure. So I'm looking at tonight, or Saturday night, in RGV. And if we go out and take care of business and get at least a draw, we're going to be sitting pretty. So yes, I am thinking we're already in. Or at least we have the best chance of being in out of those clubs. Earl, what do you think about Jerry's question? I'm the same thing as Jacob right now. I think that barring the end of the world, um, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure we we're in. I mean, if the like right now, if the season were to end right now, yeah, we're in. Um, if the season were to end tomorrow, we're still in. Um, we play RGV and then Monarch. So there's a real good possibility that we pick up six. I don't even know, nor do I really care about who Austin plays. Um, I know they play San Antonio and I think he said El Paso, maybe. No, uh, Charlotte. Okay, so Charlotte and San Antonio. There's a real good chance because San Antonio is still shooting for that second spot. So San Antonio is still hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we're not going to see San Antonio rest their people. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to bet Jerry a beer that we make it. Nice. I don't, think Jerry's, I don't think Jerry's old enough to drink, but, <laughs> but nice. But no, to your point, to chocolate milk, there you go. But to the points that, that have already been made, yeah, a win are a win Saturday night for us clinches it. Um, if we draw with RGV on Saturday night, I think we're still pretty much because we'll still have we'll still have the, we'll have the tie break over RGV, and the only way then at that point. Again, uh, looking at their schedule. So they're on 38. A draw with us would be 39. And even if they win their last two, that would put them at 45. Now, that's if they win their last two. Because, again, they still have El Paso. Um, And so, yeah, a draw with us puts us on 44. And then say we, you know, I'm going to say we pick up a win at uh, Monarchs. That puts us on 47. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, a win clinches it, and there are still some other paths. But yeah, um, at this point, it's extremely hard for Austin or RGV to grab that fourth spot unless we just shit the bed these last two matches. Austin's pretty much done. Austin, Austin would need two wins against two solid opponents. Um. And I just don't, with the form that Austin has right now, I just don't see it happening. 
um, the San Antonio matches in San Antonio. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that going well for them, but the, the bottom line is RGV, um, who also is in okay form. Uh, they've lost two, one, two, and drew one in their last five. Um, their last two have been, uh, drawn a loss. It, it, it's, it's hard to say what they're going to do, but, um, it, it, the fact that it's winning, you're in a week before the end of the season is over. Um, you have to be feeling good about that. Yeah. And there's, there's no reason not to, you, you know, you look at RGV's form, he said two wins. I mean, those wins are over Atlanta United two and Real Monarchs. So there's really not a lot that you can put into those two matches. Um, Yes, Atlanta United 2 has had a pretty good season. They looked very good early on. But at this point, I just, yeah, I have a hard time seeing RGV uh, making it. I have an even harder time seeing Austin Bold making it, especially looking at the schedules that they have remaining. Uh, You know, you mentioned San Antonio and El Paso, both still opponents. Charlotte's already in the playoffs. So, yeah, Austin, I think Austin's schedule is the tougher of the two. But. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean, as long as we go out and take care of business these next two matches, I think we're I think we're sitting pretty. I mean, going down to RGV, we just beat them a couple weeks ago, two nil, and then picked up a, a one one draw. Also, like things are looking good, and you know, you look at how we played Wednesday night, and I know that there were a number of issues with that match, the referee stop start, and all that kind of stuff, but. You talk about the second half. You know, we had a lot of great ball movement. We were still attacking. We were going forward, and Bees was involved in all four goals, which isn't something that necessarily happens a whole lot. I know he didn't get credit for assist on a couple of them, but you know, he put balls in places where Matt Cardoni couldn't handle them. You know, two of those resulted in tap ins for Ilya and Tanari, and then the other one, uh, you know. Bees put in and Cardoni got a got a hand to it, but couldn't stop it, you know. And I think it speaks a lot to how Bees right. is playing right now, mm-hmm. how we played in that second half, and how we responded to falling behind two one in that match. And that's something that we hadn't seen a lot of this year. Yeah, real quick, I can't I can't skip an opportunity to to uh, give Jerry a hard time, uh, Jerry. I know math isn't really taught in El Paso, um, but if RGV does beat us, they would be two points behind us, um, not one. Just wanted to correct you there, just because. Um, and then, yeah, it, uh, Bees is just playing like a man possessed, and I, I think he sees the injuries and just the the lack of offense that we had before he came, and... and uh, has just really stepped it up. I mean, he is the team leader in goals this season and he's played half the season with us. That's that tells you everything right there. And the fact that he had, we had four goals and he had a hand in all four of them. They, I mean, they, they were inches away from being four Chris Weehan goals. Yeah, they were. I mean, it, the fact that they were not is is one a credit to Gardoni because he did 
make a couple of incredible saves on it. And then, I mean, you can't discredit what Ilya and Ilya and Tenari did because they were in the right place at the right time. Um, and that's, that is a skill. Uh, it's luck at times, but it is a skill a lot of the time. So I'm, I'm very happy with, with the performance there with Weehan and what he's doing. And, and he's why I'm not freaking out about the injuries at the moment. If you told me he was done for the year, I'd wave the white flag and, and say, okay, um, we're not going to make it, but. So I have a comment for Jerry. Um, and it's on his it's on his question. Why do you look down at Real Monarchs? They already beat you this season. They draw against El Paso and blah, 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 blah. It's the same way that El Paso looks down on every other opponent because they're the best team in the league. But oh, then they whoa, get five nailed against Los Dos. So <laughs> when you start looking up to Los Dos or looking at them at equal, then you can probably come talk to us about looking down on lower opponents. That's a that's a very good argument. I, I second it. And, and to that point, yes, Real beat us one time. We also beat them twice, and they have to come here to play us. And our home record this year, eight one and six. We've lost one time at home this season. Real's not that good. Coming in here the last day of the season, Real Monarchs are not that good. And they've had their moments this year, sure. Every club has. But I don't see them coming and, in here with our home form and beating us on our home turf. And I don't even think I really said a whole lot about Real Monarchs. I was talking about the RGV match and the fact that if we win, we clinch. That's what I talked about the most. So I don't understand. Um, I, I look on the re- I look down at the Real Monarchs because they have 21 points on the season. And we have beat them twice like... Seth said, and they just aren't that good. They're, they are, let me look, let me look. There are only two teams worse than them in the whole league. There are only two teams with lesser points than them right now. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know why we wouldn't look down on them. When you play a team four times, especially when you play a bad team four times, they're probably going to get some kind of result once, whether it's a win or a draw, just because you play them four times. And Yeah, I mean, San Antonio managed to get one win off us. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't... El Paso got one win off us, so, I mean, you know, you know bad teams get a result every now and then. Exactly. Exactly. But anyways, um, I I think with the way Weehan is playing and the way Rivas is playing, and dare I say it, the way Guzman is playing, um, I think we're playing very good right now. So I expect us to go into RGV and, and have a good chance. What what is the what is that argument against? Not a good argument. No Yuma, no Jerome, no Gomez, and our subs were at fifteen. Oh, again, the Los Dos match. Okay, whatever. Um, you still got five nilled uh, by Los Dos. With your starting keeper, I don't care. I don't. 
I don't care who was on the pitch. You should be a better team than that. But, you had uh, Logan I mean, Penishead as your freaking keeper, but yet you're complaining about us talking bad about freaking Real Monarchs when you got five blinked. Um, he's he's saying Ketterer didn't play. Let me look. Yeah, he did. Let me look. I'm also pretty sure Gomez played that day too. Pretty sure. Let's double check here. You guys keep talking. I will let you know what I thought. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. So, Earl, looking at, at the Wednesday night match, what was your biggest takeaway from that? So, I'm glad you brought that up because I did tell you guys to put your seatbelts on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Because I'm about to say something that I never thought I would ever fucking say in my life. And I'm going all the way back to last set to this past Sunday match against San Diego. My man of the match of San Diego is fucking Juan Pablo Guzman. Wait, what? My man of the match for the first half of San Antonio was the only person in the midfield, not with the fucking yellow card. Juan Pablo Guzman. So for a match and a half, at least that much, and this is sober, Earl. This isn't even fucking crazy, Earl. Um, for at least a match and a half, JPG was my man of the match. I'm going to go get the alcohol because I don't believe I just heard that. I apparently have to watch this match now because I, I watched it, but not as carefully as I apparently needed to, uh, because I'm, I'm floored right now. Just absolutely floored right now. Yeah, and so really it took know. me. It took me everything not to just put it in the text. Um, but instead, I gave you guys some kind of excitement to tune in today. Um, I told you guys put you guys seatbelt on, and that's why. Because, like I said, and I'll say it for the, probably the last time this season, and probably le- next season too. Is JPG was my man of the match for one and a half matches. All right. Well, that's something I never thought I'd hear Earl say. But no, you're not wrong, though. I mean, JPG played really well in San Diego, and he played really well in the first half. Um, and I would I would say even once he picked up that yellow, like he was still playing well. And so with the yellow, I mean, honestly, he's going to get he's going to be suspended anyway for for Saturday. But he was playing really well. He played. He made some good defensive decisions. He wasn't giving the ball away, and you could see him forcing San Antonio and even San Diego into making some bad passes, making some bad decisions. And so I don't necessarily think it's a revelation from JPG, but it's definitely a step up from where we've seen him playing this year. Yeah. And that's it's, I can't say enough. He, he impressed me for sure. So had that been his first match he ever played with us, I might like the guy. But it's not his first match, so it's a short-lived um, – oh, my God, Jerry. Is it like past your bedtime? Um, fucking Jerry. Uh, so, no, so like I said, for the first time probably in my life, hopefully the last time in my life too, um, I witnessed no. JPG 
pushing the ball forward. He wasn't making stupid passes. He wasn't giving it up. He was finding the open man and giving it to the open man. That open man was usually Sergio or well, Saturday was Mondo, but or Sunday was Mondo. But he was not playing it back like he always did and holding up the offensive attack that we have and was actually feeding the offense into some kind of goal-scoring opportunity or some kind of dangerous play. Wow. Okay. Um, kind words from Earl to I, JPG tonight. I hope that that's not the last time we see it in your lifetime, and I hope that you're saying this again multiple times this year. No, because that no, means, no. So that means I'm hoping, playing well. I'm hoping this is the last time I ever say JPG's my man of the match because I'm hoping that other people like Mike Azira, who also played really good the second half of last night's match, whatever the fucking night we're on already, last night's match, um, who played really good last night too. Um, I'm hoping that other players step up and see that if JPG can do it, I can do it. <laughs> fair. All right. Fair. Uh, that's fair. Um, so is there anything else that you guys want to discuss from Wednesday night's match? Um, shout out to Raiden and Yearwood specifically. I thought Tete played a good game too. Uh, I know if you look at it, we gave up two goals, but um, one of that was a suspect penalty call. Um, and the other one was a, a, a beautifully delivered set piece that one or two of our defenders might have semi fallen asleep on. But I mean, it's it's hard to defend a perfectly placed ball. And so I'm not going to fault him too much for that second goal. But I, I thought, again, they played a very well, very good match on that back line. And, um, and then Yearwood getting into the attack uh, was also something that I, I like to see. And, so I just, I thought even with the adversity of all the yellow cards and the questionable penalty and then going down a goal, that's the second um, match in a row that we have been down and come back to get points. And if I'm not mistaken, that is, those are the only two instances of that happening this year, of us being down and coming back to get even a point. So two times we have fought back to get points um, I I think that that is that is huge, if nothing else, just for our confidence going into um, playoff matches. I mean, we 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 basically been playoff matches for the last two games now, and we have found a way to fight and claw and get points against a tough San Diego team on the road, and then to get three points against San Antonio, even if they were down a man, uh, we were able to fight and claw and do that. So those are huge, huge results. And and that is why... Um, see you next season. You're done? You're done. He's trying to predict, predict the title of our next uh, episode. Even if we lose, it's not over, though, Jerry. Yeah. And I we're not acting like it's not possible for RGV or Real Monarchs to beat us. I was going I was, I was to get to that as soon as we finished our uh, Wednesday night so, conversation. So even if we don't make the playoffs for some whatever fucking reason, 
We still have episodes during the offseason, Jerry. So make sure you tune in during the offseason so we can talk about Jacob's Bees and Earl's um, beer podcast. And wrestling. <laughs> and wrestling, and, because and... speaking of wrestling, Seth, it. did, did you it? watch Crown Jewel? Why did no, I, I still it? need to watch that. You need to. It was all I right. I need to watch that. See, I want a good one, though. I want, I want a good pay-per-view. That's what I want. But All right, so if we have nothing else for Wednesday night, let's move on to Saturday. Uh, we obviously go down to RGV. We play them for the fourth and final time this season. We currently hold the tiebreaker over them uh, and by head-to-head goals. And so a win here, and we're in. A draw. Things aren't finalized. Uh, we still have to take care of business against Real Monarchs next week. But... Looking at Saturday, we already know we're going to be without Dev. We know we're going to be without Amando Moreno. There's a chance that Naj could be back. We don't know. Uh, Troy did say you know, he could, he should be back soon. Uh, so that is out there. The last two times that we met RGV, the last time out was a 1-1 draw. The time before that was a 2-0 win for us. Um, let me make sure I have this correct here so they they beat us down there in the season opener one nil and the last two matches were both at the lab so this will be the final trip uh road trip of the season for united um and right now they are not in very good form they really are not and this is going to go towards jerry's comment here acting like us saying us acting like it's not possible for them to beat us we're not saying that's not possible Anything is possible on any given Sunday. Anybody can lose in the USL. Obviously, El Paso lost to Los Dos 5-0 the other day. Um, so <laughs> I think that's proof positive that, that anything can happen. But looking at RGV and what they've done lately, they have, in their past 15 matches, RGV has picked up 13 points. 13 points in their past 15, including three wins in that time frame three wins and six draws in 15 matches. That's not a good form going into the final few matches of the season when you're trying to push for the playoffs. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I mean, they could be, of course, be lying and wait for everybody. You know, they're going to spring, you know, nine points on everybody in the final three matches. I mean, you you know what else is a bold strategy? What's that? Losing five nil to Los Dos. That is bold as well. That is a very bold strategy so that's what that's what i'm looking at when i look at these matches you know i always try to look at you know what have they done lately how are they playing currently uh yes they've won two of their past five but again it's against atlanta united two and real monarchs and they're not exactly playing well in any of these matches and so i look at where rgv is now compared to where they were at the beginning of the season even in, in the middle of the season and they're just not playing at the same level. They're not converting chances. They're not creating as many chances. And they've just kind of fallen off. And they have not been able to maintain the form that we saw the first half of the season where they were just taking everyone by storm. And so that's why I say, I look at this and I say, we're, we're going to go down, go down to RGV on Saturday. We're going to race some hell. And we're going to walk out of there with three points. Because I don't believe that RGV has it at this point in the year. Yeah, that's, I mean, we obviously could lose either or both of these matches. Um, 
But if you look at desperation factor, past form, this and that and the other, um, you know, we, if I'm not mistaken, have only lost once in our last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. Um, eight games, sorry. Eight games. Uh, we've only lost once with three draws in there. And that one loss was to Louisville City in Louisville City, uh, a team that is currently sitting on 55 points and is considered one of the best clubs in this league, period. Regardless of season, uh, they are just always a really good club. So uh, I'm not going to hang my head a lot on that loss. So yeah, we are we are playing like this. And for those of you listening, I am moving my hand in an upward angle, and um, RGV is playing like this. And obviously, I'm moving it in a downward angle, as Seth just talked about. So if you just want to play odds, we're a better form. We are a team that is i mean if rgv was to make the playoffs everybody would be like oh wow rgv had such a good season we even if we make the playoffs as the four seed are most people are going to be like wow they kind of underperformed and if we miss the playoffs altogether then then it's it's a just a terrible season for us so i think we have a little bit more motivation to try to make the playoffs and we're playing in better form and we know how to get it done in these must-win games. We've done it in the past. So um, I, I just like our chances. And even if we, we, uh, we lose, uh, while not great, we'll see what happens. But um, I secretly hope we draw. <laughs> because... Me and my wife will actually be at the game on the 30th. Uh, and if we draw and then we win, we still clinch no matter what anybody else does. So I would love to be able to run out onto the pitch and celebrate a postseason clinching win at home with my wife there, uh, with Seth there, and hopefully 9,000 other fans. Jerry, it doesn't matter who your reserves are. Doesn't matter who your subs are. Your starting lineup. Come on, dude. Like you guys played Solniak. You guys played Leandro. You played Mares Luna. You know, you had your starters out there. Like you had your, like probably what? Eight of 11, nine of 11 of your starting lineup out there. So I don't want to hear it. You, those guys could have performed against those dose. You had they played your 305. Freaking <laughs> Pitbull, freaking Logan Penis Head as your keeper. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure you could have stopped at least one to make it four, but it's okay because the sa- the same way Jacob's hand was going this way was the same, and I I'm pretty sure what he was talking about was your win pro- uh, probability when you played Los Dos after they scored their second goal. It was 
a drastic spike down. Yeah, sorry, so, Jerry. Go ahead, Earl. No, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> done. I'm just, I'm just gonna tell Jerry it's past his bedtime. Um, have a good night. I did check the lineup, and no, it was not your A plus lineup. You still had Slignac in there. You still had Ketterer in there. You still had Borelli in there. You still had Gomez came in later. I mean, it, you still had quality, quality players on the pitch, and you still got rolled 5 0. Um, it is landing a 5 0 loss on the subs. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't and come in until after it was 33 now. And Yuma, I mean, come on. I, Meshack, I get. I, he, he is a very good player. Um, he, is, he is part of a loss there. But, I mean, 5 0? You couldn't score? A couple times. I mean, come on, don't don't give me that. Don't give me that. So what? So what I'm understanding, and I don't know how this turned into a Jerry Mario soapbox, but what I'm understanding is they had a better lineup against Los Dos than they did last night against Austin, but yet they still beat Austin and lost five nil to Los Dos. Boom. Anyway, like, I'm not. I'm not even the soccer fan here. Like, I'm not even the sports guru person. I'm. I'm just some random fucking person wearing an AYSO shirt. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't really care what happens. I'm. I'm having a good, good time, good time this season, even with the ups and downs. But back to the RGB match. If we were to lose this match, what happened? If we come back next week after a loss, what are we going to be talking about? If we lose to RGV, it's going to be a discussion about the finishing. That's exactly what the discussion is going to be because that's been our biggest concern all season. I mean, defensively, we played pretty well. You know, we are still one of the best uh, defensive clubs in the USL. Uh, Alex Tambakas has had a very good season. I know some people, you know, like to say otherwise, but you know, he's had a good season. Austin Yearwood, I think is honestly in the discussion for team of the year. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, we've allowed 37 goals, which is near the bottom of the league in, in terms of fewest goals allowed. Um, we are, we've got seven clean sheets. So, I mean, defensively we're we're doing pretty good like i'm not i'm not concerned about the defensive play against rgv i'm concerned about the finishing do we create enough chances and do we finish them so yeah so i'm not concerned about defense and first off before i even get to that point um i don't like the subtle jab you took at me about tembacus's play um and my criticism i don't like that do i have to get Um, casey on the show again Look, 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 I, 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 I don't even know. Anyways, um, next Tambakis week. took a ball off of his face last night. I know, and his head you. bounced off the turf. I felt bad. Um, I did feel a little bit worried for him because I have had that happen to me before, and it does not feel good. It feels almost as good as losing 5-0 to Los Dos. That's probably the last time I'll mention that tonight. But anyways... Um, I don't know what we'll talk about next week. To be honest, if we lose, I don't know what we'll talk about. What I'm hoping we don't talk about is Elvis Amos scoring within five minutes. I, I think it'd be finishing and probably midfield play. 
um, which is the easy thing to say it's going to be because that's what it's been on most of our disappointing games um, all season. So I don't, I don't think it would change. I don't think it would be giving up five goals or something like that. I think it would be uh, probably like a one, one nil to one loss where we just cannot put the ball in the back of the net for whatever reason. So, but um, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And I think we're going to come back and we're going to be talking about, um, you know, a, a solid, if not, it might not be like a four, two, four nil um, outstanding win, but I think we at least come back talking about a, a two, one or a, a one nil win and, and the defense plays solid like it has been. And, and we are able to finish a couple of chances and, and, you know, clinch that uh, <clears throat> Phoenix isn't going to destroy us. Calm your tits, Jerry. Um, so to answer Jerry real quick, what's better What's better, not going to playoffs or having Phoenix destroy you? None of those is better because having Phoenix destroy us and whatever, blah, 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 is pretty much the same as not going to playoffs, which is the exact same feeling as losing 5-0 with your starters. Uh, I will I will for real answer that question, Jerry. Uh, Seth, can you get that question up on the, on the screen there? Sure. Um, what's better, not going to the playoffs or have Phoenix destroy you in the playoffs? Um What's better would be going to the playoffs, um, period. Uh, I don't think Phoenix is going to destroy us, but if those are the only two options you give me, then I will take having Phoenix destroy me in the playoffs. Um, but there's a third option that's not on that list that's more likely, and that's we we play Phoenix tough because we tend to play Phoenix decently tough, and um, and we we lose to a team that's that's really good because. Phoenix is a really good team. I don't have any. Can we, uh, can we throw a fourth option in there? Yeah, sure. We win. Watching watching El Paso lose in the first round. That would be something, wouldn't it? To to who would it be? Who would it be? Um, it'd be the fourth in the Pacific. Which... Oh, would you look at that? It's Los Dos, guys. Right. Oh man, <laughs> that is hilarious. That is hilarious. Um. I I think you were probably pretty upset about that game, Jerry. I I know you're trying to play it off, but uh, what what I think it's funny, and what I would would not mind seeing is if we were to get past Phoenix, uh, it would set up a San Antonio match if San Antonio took care of business and finished second and beat. I think it would be Orange County, um, and I think that would be hilarious, uh, in my opinion, but. Jerry, what you're failing to look at here is that there's a greater than zero chance that we actually finish in third or second even. Um, second is not likely, but I could very easily see San Antonio losing out. And if we win out, we would actually jump them. So that would be, while not likely, is possible. So... So we'll see. We'll see. Jerry, it is possible to lose in your in your blue waffle fortress over there that you called blue. Southwest <laughs> Park. Whatever the fuck you call it. Blue Fortress. I've never heard it called that and it, it it just makes me laugh. 
So I, it's I, actually you know, the Jerry, first time I've ever heard it tonight called the Blue Fortress, and <clears throat> it will be a Blue Fortress when you lose in it, and especially if it's in the playoffs, and all the El Paso fans, including you, because I'm sure you will make it to that match, are sitting in the supporter section or wherever your seat may be, your season ticket seat that you reserved last year or whatever. Wherever you're sitting and they lose, I'm sure it will be for- blue because you'll be freaking crying. So, guys, we need San Antonio to lose lose both or lose and draw. And if we went out, we would jump them in the standings. You know, you know what I need? I need to know how I did on my on my football scores this week. Yeah, let's well let's let's wrap up yeah. predictions with RGV <laughs> and then we can touch on that. So what is your prediction for RGV, Earl? I'm gonna jump on your fucking bandwagon and go four nil. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, what's your prediction for this week? Well, I can't go four nil because he fucking stole it from me. Um Yeah, I don't know. I... Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to change my score. I got to okay. change my score. Okay. This one's in honor of Jerry because it's proof <laughs> that it fucking happens. 5 nil. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, then I'll go for it now. All right, 5 nil, 4 nil. Um, I'm going to say 2 nil. Us down there. Um, I think... Wow, that you saying 2-0 is like Earl saying 5-0. Like, that's a huge thing for you to say we get (laughs) two goals and a shutout. So I'll take that. You know, again, we've we've played well defensively all year. Um, Alex is a a damn good goalkeeper. He's made some really good stops. And I think we have enough to go down. And as long as we can finish our chances, I think that's what it ends up as, 2-0. Three more points on the road. Um, yeah. I, again, my concern is finishing those chances. If we don't do it, then we're going to run into some, into some trouble. But I think we're dialed in, especially Bees. I think Bees is really dialed in right now. And so I think we're going to play pretty well. And, and to Jerry's point uh, about uh, not going to the playoffs, given the season that we've had, going to the playoffs – is going to look pretty damn good this year. And, so, you know, it, go ahead. Is it safe to say if we beat RGV, they're eliminated? Yes. If we beat RGV, yeah. we are clinched. Yeah. Period. There is no way if we, if we beat RGV, we will, we will get the little X by our name and we will be going to the playoffs no matter what happens in RGV's last two matches or our last match. And cue the Jerry comment on how he clinched about nine weeks ago. <laughs> Jerry says 2-1 RGV because he hates us. That, that's of good for him. Uh, I'm just going to keep remembering the 5-0 Los Dos. I, I would love to see, and I know Jerry hasn't typically given us his predictions, but I would love to see if Jerry at any point this season predicted that we would win a game. Can you put, can you put uh, his prediction as a comment down there, please? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. So now we can clip this and we can say, look at this clown show uh, when United wins. Much like there you go. Absolutely. Us. Yeah. We will take that for sure. Um, all right. So what was I going to say? I, I was going to say something. So, you know, Jerry, the thing is like, we all acknowledge that El Paso has had a good season. 
Like, you know, there, we, there's no, there's no logical sense to try tonight. They've had a good season. They've played really well. They've, they've been tough down there. And yes, it has been, you know, 25 straight uh, unbeaten matches, but they still only beat us once this year. So, you know, it's, it's, one, it's just one of those things like anything can happen. You know, anyone can go down there and walk away with a win. Yes, it is a tough place to play, but, you know, any, again, you know, I, all credit to El Paso and Mark Lauer. You guys have had a fantastic season. Like, no one can deny that. Jerry, have you guys lost or ha- at home this year? I'm going to say no if it's 25 unbeat. Yeah. So the last team to win at the Blue Fortress, um, was who Jerry? I, I just want to, I just I want to I want to see you see you comment the last team to win in the fortress um, real quick, as Seth is uh, the Zach Gelfnakis meme from Hangover as we speak with the numbers and everything flying around him. Um. <laughs> oh, you don't recall Jerry? Oh, oh. Um, Earl, you want to take a guess? You want to take a guess at the last team to beat them in the Blue Fortress? Oh, the last team to probably have beaten the El Paso Locomotive in the Blue Waffle Fortress was probably the people that play up north from you, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Big Brother. I'm not going to go that far. But yes, it was United. Um, and, and it probably should have been United this year, but to your credit, you guys score late winners or late equalizers uh, very well. But um, it, it was United that beat you last in the Blue Fortress. And um, I don't know, probably over a year would be my guess. But I don't, I, I don't have it up again. But I can tell you, if you would like to know the exact date. <laughs> Oh, the exact date was Friday, July 24th of 2020. So, yes, over a year. Oh, that's cool. The the year that we played the entire season on the road. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So we didn't have a home game to try to defend our home fortress or what would we call our fortress, the Black Pit or the – or the what the fuck would we call ours if we go off of colors? If we're going to call it the Blue Waffle down there. It's it's um, uh, the it's, prettiest stadium in America. It's the lab, guys. Let's just calm down. <laughs> All Jerry, right. have, Jerry, have you beat us in Albuquerque? I know one thing. It hasn't been this year. Oh, if it wasn't, uh, if it if it wasn't you guys that beat us here, if you guys didn't beat us here this year, and we didn't have home games last year, and the year before that was a three nil win for New Mexico. I don't, I don't I don't think you've beat us here so that's 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 funny. It's okay our our statistician will be right on it. Yep, looking that up. No, I know they haven't beat us. You don't have to look any of that. I, what I've set up. I've already looked it up. Okay. You just got to tell us football stuff. All right, football stuff. So all right, we've got our predictions in for this weekend. Uh we all think New Mexico United is going to go down and pick up a win against RGV and clinch the playoffs on the road. But if it's a draw, uh, I'm okay with that. All right, of course. Um, Jacob's rooting against our team. So good to know. Uh, Fucking but, traitor. 
looking at our NFL pick'em results from this past week, we finally have a change at the top. Yeah, Tyler. Uh, so, uh, for question number one, does the London game, uh, which was Jacksonville and, uh, somebody terrible Miami. Miami yeah. Do, does that game score more points than the Atlanta, New Jersey, New York jets game? Everyone said, no, everyone picked up a point. Does that game ended with 43 points? Uh, Ty- Carson Wentz or Mills, the, uh, the quarterback for whoever the Eagles play or whoever Indy played. Uh, who had more rushing yards? Mills had more rushing yards than Carson Wentz, so Tyler picked up a point there. So to be fair, though, Mills's neck is a yard, so he just died <laughs> once and he already got the first down. I was so mad at that because I was actually following that statistic. I was checking it like every period, um, and every time I checked it, Wentz was ahead by a yard, and then Mills. I, I didn't see it, but Mills had to have had a little five-yard scamper and and i lost it jerry if we took the time to read out all of your comments we'd be here till midnight <laughs> Fair. and i'd be depressed and a drunk you already are but yeah that's, I mean, that's nothing new but uh anyway chargers ravens over under 51 and a half uh jacob earl and tyler all went with over i said under and i picked up a point on that one <clears throat> rigged uh cards browns does baker uh get two plus touchdown passes everyone except for me said yes so all of you picked up a point there and next question number five did will the bills score 35 plus for a fifth straight game everybody said yes nobody got a point on that one and then our finally our bonus question the over under on the number of mentions of John Gruden during the Raiders Broncos game. I set that at plus four or at four. Everyone picked up two points there. So this week, Tyler picked up five points. Everyone else picked up four. Tyler is our new leader with 22 points. Jacob sits in second with 21 and Earl and I both have 19. I'm not happy about this. And I (laughs) will take the lead back this week. All right, there you go. I'll get you guys some questions unless probably, probably tomorrow. Unless Seth comes with very obvious questions like he has the last two weeks, in which case I probably won't take the lead because we'll all have the same answers. Well, no, because then he throws stupid questions in like whose neck is longer, fucking a giraffe <laughs> or David Mills. I've tried to come up with I tried to come up with some obscure stuff because I did realize that the ones uh, two weeks ago were pretty obvious or I, th- I felt were a little too easy after the fact. But uh, so trying to come up with some different things. But hopefully the, we uh, see some more movement on those points. The John Gruden one was way too easy. I was honestly I wasn't sure. I thought that they would go into that and give a mention of it like at the very beginning or in the pregame and then just try to avoid it but they ended up talking about John Gruden in, in different aspects uh, throughout the game. And they kept comparing like the, the current coach to, to John Gruden and, and things like that. So uh, it kind of skewed it a little bit and they weren't necessarily talking about the, the controversy with him, but uh, I, I wasn't sure how they were going to go on that. Cause you know, there are times where these broadcasts tend to stay away from things. So all right. I think that's going to just about do it for us this evening, unless you guys have any closing comments. Good night, Jerry. <laughs> All right, Jacob, get us out of here. All right. I I seriously am hoping that, that we have uh, 
Seth's pointing at his nipple um, for some reason. I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, oh, he voted. Um, it's it's way too early for me to be thinking about voting. Um, <coughs> oh yes, I brain's going a little slow today. Apparently, <coughs> I, I now see why you did that because there is a very important topic that you have to vote for right now. Let me take a drink because I'm gonna die. <laughs> Promise. It's a little harsh, Earl. A little harsh. I have kids. I have kids. Just remember you said that. Anyways. <laughs> um, I, I do hope that RGV... Uh, I hope I do hope we go to RGV and we pick up a win and we clinch. Uh, that would be a lot less stressful uh, for everybody anyways. But um, hopefully we're, we're talking about that next Tuesday when we come back and Jerry can come on and eat a little bit of crow and... And uh, we can all have good times about how we all made the playoffs and, and we hopefully look forward to seeing El Paso in the Western Conference Championship. But other than that, guys, there is a very important thing that we did not talk about at all today. Um, we will touch on it one more time um, probably next week because that'll be the last time that we have a chance to talk about it before the actual vote, and that is go vote yes for the stadium bond. Um it is extremely important for the future of the club and in my opinion, the future of Albuquerque and New Mexico in general. Um, change needs to happen down there and it's not going to happen um, without something to spur it on. So for those of you talking about crime and this and that and the other, we've, we've been in this hole for a long time now um, and they've proven that they're not going to do anything about that stuff with the 50 million that this bond has anything to do with anyway so vote for change vote yes give us a place to stay give us a place to hold events to make the city more money to hopefully raise money to get money for other things that you guys are wanting to say no about and and so out of the three of us seth is the only one that could vote i am assuming he voted yes um Three times. That is a felony, and I do not condone <laughs> it. Um, no, no, I, I did. I did go vote this morning, and I did vote for every single bond that was on the that was on the ballot. He also I, voted for Eddie Aragon. I did not vote for uh, Eddie Aragon. No, God, no, God, no, no, just no. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm okay talking about politics as it relates to United. Um, I don't know anything else about Albuquerque politics. So uh, vote yes for the stadium bond. Um, we will probably have a little bit more on that next week. Uh, just as a reminder of some things, maybe maybe uh, Seth or I can get a little fact sheet together uh, and just to, just to pass out the facts one more time. Um, and, and then hopefully... We're talking about how it passed. Uh, maybe not the next time we talk, because I believe that Tuesday uh, that we... I, I don't know if we'll have the results for it. We, well, we probably will, huh? Probably Tuesday Yeah, we should have results by 7 that night. We probably will have a decent idea of what's going on. So hopefully, in two weeks, we're talking about a playoff berth and a stadium coming our way, or at least a plan for a stadium coming our way. Um, and so it, it's, it's just very important that you go vote just like it's very important that we get at least a draw on Saturday, the 23rd. Um, that's in two days, guys. Wow. Uh, 
it's a, it's a big match. So, Jerry, we love you. Um, it, it's a love-hate thing. It's kind of like uh, a sibling. Um, you, Jerry, if you, it makes you feel better, they treat me just the same way. That's fair, actually. That is uh, pretty close to spot on. Um, but I think if we were all brothers, uh, Jerry would be like the youngest that like just is super annoying and and I'd be adopted and craves attention for sure. Um, and so, anyways, I had lost my track there because Earl threw out an adopted line and it caught me off guard. Um, Jerry, thanks. Um, if you're listening to this on on the podcast, come check us out live on YouTube, Twitter and facebook preferably facebook or youtube so you can comment um but if twitter is your thing that's okay too but just uh come in comment ask questions tell us your opinion whatever the case may be um but next tuesday at nine we will be here earl will not be here i forgot about that earl uh will be out of town in missouri um with his lovely wife um and so we will not have him until the November 2nd show. But uh, hopefully me and Seth are here talking about a win. And and we would love for you guys to come and celebrate with us. And until that show, somos amigos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.